before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview of the super terrific Happy Hour featuring the delightful Stephanie Pomboy and our very special guest, Tony Greer of TG Macro. This conversation begins with Tony's formative years at Goldman Sachs's commodity trading arm, Jay Aaron, during which he learned a series of lessons to which many listeners will do well to pay careful attention given the direction of the world today. And it ends with a detailed, granular discussion of the exciting opportunities Tony sees in today's commodity markets. The journey from one to the other was 60 minutes of pure education. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So... If you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high quality content like it please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today and with that please enjoy the show tony greer welcome to the super terrific happy hour mate how are you i'm great grant i'm really happy to be here thanks so much for having me i'm excited for this one we are we are <laughs> thrilled and stephanie yeah it's nice to see you guys nice to see you as well we have two new yorkers and a displaced brit who is um who is uh, back on home turf so we, we've got the world covered which means you two are mercifully saving me from watching my soccer team who are getting thumped at the moment so i've had to turn that off to to record this which is which has actually made my saturday so thank you very much for that you two <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to do but relax today, Grant, for a change. So I am I'm literally, I've got all the time in the world. I'm looking out the window on a beautiful day and ready to talk markets. There you go. Ready to stir it up. Ready to stir it up, exactly. <laughs> Mix it all up. Now, um, Steph and I were, were, were kicking this around a, a little bit earlier on. And what we'd love to to start with is your your early days in the industry at uh, a, a, the, the venerable firm of Jay Aaron & Co., um, It'll, it's a name that was long ago swallowed up. Um, I'll leave you to explain by whom, but perhaps you could uh, perhaps you could tell people a little bit about the firm and about your time there. Yeah, absolutely, Grant. I joined uh, Goldman Sachs in, I guess, technically '94 on the calendar and started working there late in that year uh, for Jay Aaron, which was at the time the commodity trading arm of Goldman Sachs. It had been a privately owned commodity trading company and Goldman Sachs bought it in its totality because to traffic in commodities, you need all kinds of physical outposts, different locations, and you need connections to exchanges and all kinds of things like that. And so Goldman Sachs just bought the commodity trading arm. Jay Aaron was largely a coffee trader. That was, uh, you know, the genesis of how they started out in commodities at that firm and then started branching out into others. And then once it got to Goldman Sachs, while there was still the original um, physical coffee trading room on the floor that I worked on, we had been trading, you know, every commodity under the sun all around the world 24 seven by that time. 
So, you know, it was, you know, we answered the phone, Jay Aaron, for the entire time that I was there. And just to bracket it, I was there from um, 95, well, 94, like I said, the end of 94 through the beginning of 2000. And, um, you know, the timing, if you look at the commodity <laughs> chart, was super, super conspicuous. I was just going to bring um, that I, up, but... <laughs> Well, that was the great, you know, that's the great, uh, the greatest lesson I've ever gotten in my life about bubbles mm. was, you know, leaving the sleepy commodity desk at Goldman Sachs so that I could chase this uh, tech bubble that I had mm. been investing in and trading while I was there. And, you know, literally sat down to trade technology stocks in March of 2000 with the NASDAQ at 5k on its way Jesus. down. Wow. Yeah. And now I turn, now I turn around and there goes the commodity right. super cycle for 10 years. And I'm sitting there smashing the phone into my forehead. After you, you know, watch it. after you walked in the door to JR and literally at the peak of that commodity cycle, right? I mean, 94 was the peak in that move. I yeah. Mean, the, the, right. The, the first one. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, you know, but it was a time where commodities were kind of quiet mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the Goldman Sachs commodities index was a business that had just started growing. Um, and it was due to essentially something that was really well sold to clients and advertised about how these commodities were at the time, largely in backwardation. And you could have this investment with a positive carry that had a pretty positive outlook. And, um, you know, we were pretty desk, pretty busy desk at the time. And so I worked on the Goldman Sachs Commodities Index and the gold trading desk at JRN, which were kind of sat side by side next to the energy trading area. So Tony, take us back to that period and talk a little bit about how that commodities market functioned at the time, because it, again, everything's changed and commodity markets probably more so than many others, I would imagine. Yeah, the commodity markets were, you know, they were steeped still when I, you know, when I had joined, um, Jay Aaron, they were still very much focused on exchange trading, you know, the, and, and physical trading in futures pits. And that's when there were, when I say physical trading, I say what that's when physical pit was filled with brokers, you know, and, um, you know, the gold ring would be, you know, three steps, uh, three steps high and probably 400 brokers all standing around shoulder to shoulder trading gold. And that was um, what was cool about it was that was sort of the exchange and your relationships on the exchange were part of your information network where you got the understanding of what the world looked like from the brokers on the exchange as they handled the business from the upstairs desks and they looked up at the world and sort of, you know, what it looked like to them. And then, of course, you had the physical side of trading, which was the interbank market, if you wanted to call it, where you trade commodities, mostly gold and silver, platinum, with another pound part in the market where you sort of had an agreement that you could call each other for prices for liquidity. So, um, you know, to give you that, that was sort of our outward facing um, from the commodities desk was we had this sort of futures world and physicals world that were our liquidity. Um, and that also became very much how we shaped our risk at J. Aaron. We used to have tremendous R positions, even bigger than our directional positions in a commodity would be our positions of physical commodity versus the exchange. 
So I don't know if you know, Grant, but there's an EFP exchange for physical price that I'm sure you're somewhat aware of that there's the difference between you know, the spot price and the exchange price. And so we used to figure out how to exploit that in good size. And that was part of our trading tactic. Um, and so to sort of bring you out a little bit further, we had, um, you know, we had the interbank market as our liquidity, the futures market as our liquidity and our information. And then we had the upstairs desk that we sat on. And that was uh, another multifaceted operation because we would be the center between all of our clients calling us and providing liquidity to them. And then everybody around the firm that would also be trading commodities through us. So you had the responsibility, you know, pretty much all day to be quoting clients, managing the risk in your book and managing the risk for other people, providing liquidity for proprietary traders that were trading in your product. So it was a very tricky um, job to be sitting there either either as the commodity dealer or as the gold dealer, or the silver dealer, because you're quoting prices and providing liquidity for clients and everything goes through you. And that's 24 operation in commodities. So it was the kind of thing grant where you're, we, we always looked at it where our week wasn't a five day week. It was one marathon session from Sunday to Friday. You know, Sunday, we, we spoke every Sunday afternoon um, with my old metals boss, Chris Carrera, who's still a dear friend of mine. And, you know, the week started at three o'clock with a phone call where we discussed, you know, what our positions look like, what our objectives were for the week, you know, starting with what we were going to do that night on the TOCOM, you know, for our exchange position or for our directional positions and sort of plotting out what we wanted to accomplish by the end of the week. And so then, you, you know, start Sunday night and it was, you know, pretty, pretty much like I said, 24 seven liquidity providing for, you know, your clients. And that meant also having relationships all around the world. So that was a different part. Um, you know, the next leg of your operation was you had people that you could call in Tokyo and the Tokyo time zone for liquidity. If somebody called, if one of the traders from the desk called you up and said, okay, I want to sell my gold now, or I want to buy some silver now. So then you would go to those desks for us in a different time zone, trade with them. You'd be developing a relation with them. And this is, I'm talking about other metals dealers and banks and other time zones. And then you'd have your London center where you'd have sort of the J. Aaron London desk as the hub there, but you would have other relationships in London. So all of this together um, was sort of, you know, the, the, the entirety of the blocking and tackling that went into every day just before you sat down to trade and decide what you wanted to do in the markets. And then that was the next level of, of really managing the desk. And it was a pretty, it was, it was a wildly successful and wildly, um, you know, I always said, I knew that I had joined the Yankees when I joined Jay Aaron, you know, having come from, you know, a UBS and Sumitomo bank and just seeing how they operated. And it was much more, you know, Sumitomo Japanese, UBS, the, um, you know, European view, which is much more relaxed, and you went to Jay Aaron and it was like landing, you know, on the New York Yankee Marines, team, you know, where it was, was about communication and it was about, you know, teamwork and 24 seven action. And it was a really great place to work. And I had the greatest time of my life. And I learned everything about being rigorous about trading that I know at 85 Broad Street and from the team that I that I worked with there. And those guys are still a big part of my network. Everybody that I work with there is still somebody that I talk to about markets and trying to figure the world out today. That's what I was going to ask you listening to this is, you know, from that intense as that position was 24 seven, literally um, the access 
to information was second to none. I mean, you were seeing every side of the trade from every side of the globe, basically. So you had, you know, perfect 360 vision on the market. Um, how do you trade? full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website grant-williams.com nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice this conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only so while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets